Welcome to Ask the Dean. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, and I'm the co-founder of MAPT. I'm joined every week by Rachel Grubbs, the other co-founder of MAPT, who has 20 years experience in the pre-med and test prep world, and by Dr. Scott Wright, former executive director of TMDSAS and former director of admissions at UT Southwestern Medical School. Ask the Dean is a weekly Q&A we do live exclusively for our MAPT members, and this podcast is a recording of that session so that everyone can benefit from that knowledge. Let the knowledge flow. Hello, hello. We are live. Welcome back to uh, pre-med office hours. This is live Q&A with the medical school headquarters advising team. Uh, this free uh, hour of live Q&A has gone by many names. Um, we've decided it is no longer Ask the Dean, since we're not all deans. It's no longer Ask Mapped because we're both Mapped and Medical School Headquarters. So thanks for hanging with us for one more name change, pre-med office hours. Hopefully that name explains to you exactly what it is. You show up, you ask us questions, we answer them. We have got a whole cadre of experts here. Let me start with the one and only James Scott Wright. Uh, so Scott Wright, so you guys know if you haven't met him before, former director of admissions at UT Southwestern Med, also previously was an executive director at TMDSAS, the Texas Application Service for Med mm -hmm. Vet Dent, and it's not even here on the banner because he's got so many <laughs> accolades, but he Whatever. was also a pre-health and undergraduate education dean at, where was it, UT Dallas? UT Dallas, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. uh, a lot of Texas experience, but also not just Texas. You've done mm -hmm. speaking engagements all over the U.S. and Canada, mm -hmm. not just about the medical admissions process, but about mental health health, about mm -hmm. balancing mental health. You've done teaching at medical schools about ethics. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Dude, thanks for showing up. <laughs> oh. Yay, me. <laughs> I know, I was just so happy to see you. I wanted to spend some time telling everyone how awesome you are. <laughs> oh, you're sweet. <laughs> uh, so how are you? I think you're a little under the weather, but you're here. Yeah, I'm, I'm here and, you know, it is winter, so stuff goes around and but i'm here and excited to answer questions for all these exciting uh and energetic pre-med students yeah yeah all right and then also with us is the one the only verinia granham we have occasionally referred to her as the queen of pre-med knowledge i believe i don't know that's like an unofficial title self-appointed right <laughs> But yeah, Verenia, Girl, girlfriend, another... girlfriend, I thought I was the queen. I'm just saying. <laughs> Sorry, Scott. Yeah, you lost uh, that crown. You need some gender fluid regality here. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I stole yeah, your crown. Boxman. I mean, I just took that quiz that's going around TikTok, the, the poet, soldier, king, and I got king. So mm. there you um, go. Who, who knows? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mostly identify as female, but I'm not like you know, stuck to it. Um, <laughs> let's talk about how amazing Vrinia is. Thank so uh, Vrinia, you've been doing advising and education for more than 20 years. So definitely yeah. a pre-med expert, right? You absolutely know the MDDO path, but also yeah. you've done all kinds of pre-health. Um, mm -hmm. uh, you were the assistant dean of pre-health and STEM advising at Hofstra. So you've just helped thousands of students get into not only yeah. hundreds of med schools, but also mm -hmm. PA school, NP, physical therapy, Nursing, you name it. Yep. Uh, <laughs> occupational therapy. Why are yeah. you here? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, hello. I am surrounded by amazing folks that all want to do the same thing, and that is to help students 
figure out their path and and make this dream a reality. I was feeling a little like glum lately just because the weather has been really cloudy here in New York. Um, but as soon as we start this hour, I just get excited and happy to be here to, to yeah. just, you know, help some students out. Yeah, me too. And me. Uh, who am I? <laughs> Yeah, uh, the other day I told someone that I didn't have um, a lot of ambition and they were like, don't you co-run a company? <laughs> I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I'm Rachel. I am a co-founder of MAP, COO of Medical School Headquarters. I have been in education services for 20 plus years. Um, my my heart is MCAT and pre-med, but I do like pre-health in general, and I've also done <clears throat> college admissions and business and law admissions. So uh, today we'll talk about pre-med, but I've seen a lot. Um, and yeah, we're all excited to just answer your questions. I see a few comments coming in already, so let us know what you want to talk about, and we'll see if we have time to get to your question today. Yeah, sounds good. Mm -hmm. Anastasia says, hi, I know that admissions views academic committee letters slash packets favorably. How would they view a committee packet from a full-time job position? I work closely with several doctors and scientists. Hmm, hmm. Interesting and creative question. Yeah, I don't think I've heard of a committee packet from, from a, an employer. Yeah, so Scott, I think I'm gonna pass this to you specifically. Um, what I wanted to kind of say as I'm setting you up here is my understanding is that academic committee letters and packets are sort of an accepted part of this mm -hmm. institutional process where I think what mm -hmm. Anastasia is proposing is something where she's essentially trying to create her own mm -hmm. packet. Um, so what are your thoughts on that? So um, I, I, I guess I'm a little confused um, when you say how would they view a committee packet from a full-time job position. So the, the point here that I want to make is that um, it sounds like, Anastasia, that you're creating a committee mm -hmm. packet from your full-time job position. That is different than the institution creating a committee packet for you based on whatever structure they have to um, put forward a committee packet on your behalf. Now, I, I'm not saying that this isn't going to fly, but I do want you to keep in mind that medical schools are an academic institution. Uh, these uh, interview interviewers, admissions committee members, admissions officers, or academic officers who are looking for, at some level or another, academic information in addition to other types of information about you. So I'm, I guess I'm wondering, when you talk about a full-time job position committee packet, what would that look like, and how do you know when you're creating that what to include in that, that, that the med schools are going to want to see. Yep. Yeah. So I, I guess you're putting a lot on yourself to anticipate what, what the med school admissions committee might want or feel is valuable. And, and I don't know if you have the ability to take on that role. That's, yep. that's what I'm wondering. Yeah. Uh, I concur with that. The only thing I would add is, if what you're saying is you want to use a work supervisor letter, um, 
which is sometimes accepted, right? Some mm-hmm. med schools mm-hmm. will accept that. Not all oh, yeah. you always have to mm-hmm. move med school by med mm-hmm. school. Mm-hmm. It isn't unheard of to ask one or two people or maybe even three people to do a joint letter. Mm-hmm. But the packet idea, the idea of committee, like if you submit more than they ask for, there's no guarantee they're going to look at everything you submit, right? Mm-hmm. When they say three, you don't want to send 13, right? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. if you really feel like, well, you know, this work supervisor knows me really well, but this other physician has a really impressive credentials and knows me somewhat. So I'm going to see if they want to joint do a letter. I think that kind of thing is still sort of within the structure of what is mm-hmm. acceptable. Mm-hmm. So I like your creativity, but the application mm-hmm. isn't really a place for creativity. Mm-hmm. You got to play by the rules. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But again, you don't want to compile. There's no guarantee that they're going to mm-hmm. read. A mm-hmm. Anastasia. Mm-hmm. They say three, you send three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I, I, the more I think about it, Anastasia, I think this is a bad idea. I, I yeah. don't, I don't, I don't like this idea at all. Cause you're making a new system that hasn't been accepted. Right. Yeah. And you're assuming, say. you're assuming a lot of things that I think, you know, whatever. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. She, I still, get it. she yeah. says, God, it <laughs> yeah, I love the creativity. And just, unfortunately, this is yeah, the place. I agree. Yeah. It's going to yep. serve you well in other parts of your life. Oh, why do we still have my banner up? That's weird. Um, <laughs> there we go. All right. Next question. Kapil, hey guys, got my med school interview tomorrow. Congratulations. Any quick advice? Uh, Rania, you want to kick this one off? Quick advice for Kapil? Yeah. First of all, congratulations. Yay. Um, Take some time today to do some final review of your application. Make sure that, you know, everything that's in there by now, you probably do, but it's always a good idea to review everything because it could come up during your interview, will come up during, during the interview. And, um, just some quick review of their website. Make sure you are aware of very specific things that you want to talk about during your interview about why you're interested in going to their program. So review your application, review their websites, make sure that you have your two or three things that you wanna highlight and talk about about why you're interested in their particular program and um, try to relax. (laughs) I know that's hard to do. Just try to relax today. You got this. Yep, yep, yep. Joshua Brand, loading up a queue. I have several years of leadership experience in a hospital department. I really would like to showcase this experience in my story. Is it better to do this in PS or experiences? I love this question, Joshua, because mm-hmm. this is a really important one. And I love that you asked, is it better to do it here or here instead of how do I do it in my PS? The personal statement is the heart and soul of your application. And yet it asks one very specific question, which is why medicine? So leadership experience, that's probably not part of your why medicine. Um, It might have been part of your um, journey there. But if you really want to showcase leadership experience, there are activities where you can actually classify something as leadership and write an essay about it there. So um, I would say this is definitely an activities or experiences essay, Mm -hmm. not part of the PS. Agreed. Mm-hmm. All right, let's keep trucking. Uh, ooh, Chi, Chie, I'm sorry, Chie, teach me how to say your name. Uh, I received a notification that the preview registration is open. I'm applying this cycle and have an April MCAT. When should I register for the preview in Casper? I'm scared seats will fill up. Thanks. Yeah, great question. 
So um, preview registration is open now. I definitely saw a lot of panic about it, um, I guess last week when that first email <clears throat> came out, because I think AMCAS has gone back and clarified their page. They used to have a web page that said, here are participating schools. And then that same link now says something like, we invite all MD schools to participate. And a whole lot of people interpreted that as, oh my gosh, every single MD school is using preview. And there was so much panic that I do believe to their credit that the AAMC had to go back and put up a thing that was like, we're inviting them all. You'll have to check and see which schools are doing it. So if you've got the money and the time and you wanna play it safe, if you don't have a completely finalized school list, yeah, you can go ahead and register for Preview and Casper. I think you can take them as early as April most years. Please don't quote me on that. Go, go look at the pages and sign up. I typically think of Preview and Casper as something to get done around secondaries. But to the point you're making, seats do fill. So if you wait until June when you're writing your secondaries, that might get you a later date. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, right now is sort of a tricky time for knowing whether or not schools require it because it does change year to year. And right now, if you look at most schools' websites, they're still going to have mm -hmm. the 2023 entry year data posted. Um, so y you might say, oh, that school doesn't require this exam and then find out in four months that they do. Mm -hmm. So you want to play it super safe, go ahead and register as soon as it's open just to take them. If you want to wait and be sure that your school, you've got a finalized school list and you're looking at the 2024 entry year requirements, then yeah, you might want to wait a couple months. But I think some of it is just, you know, those tests aren't cheap. Do you have the money? Do you have the time? You're probably going to have to take at least one. It doesn't hurt to take both. The preview lasts forever. So once you take it once, you can use it repeated years. Casper, you have to take once a year. So if you're, if you, even if you took it last year, if you're applying again to any of the same schools that still require Casper, you'll have to take it again. Um, I give you a lot longer answer than you might've asked for. I hope that helps. <laughs> Cool. I was just going to message Veronica on the back end to be like, hey, I have mapped all ready for screen share because I see that question about map. So um, to be clear, Jean St. Pierre, uh, we didn't like slip him a 20 or something. He's <laughs> asking this all of his own uh, accord. Um, mapped is a free pre-med and pre-physician assistant tracking web platform. So the idea is and actually, if you want to make that comment go away, Verenia, or Veronica, just to give us a little more screen, I'm going to make, yeah, make this as big as I can here for a minute. So the deal with Mapped is as soon as you're pre-med, you start using this. It's um, a free website. So we sometimes refer to it as an app, but it is a web-based application. It tracks your GPA. It calculates your GPA just like med schools do, which may not be the same as the way med, um, as your undergrad school does. So your, your, your GPA on your school transcript might not be the same as the way it says on AMCAS and ACOMAS and TMDSAS. It's also a place for you to track your activity hours. Once you enter all the courses you've taken, you can start researching med schools and bookmarking them. And we will match up the pre-med requirements from each med school, which does vary a little school to school, against the courses you've taken and listed as fulfilling prereqs so that you can see if you're missing any. Um, 
And then also it's a place where you can track MCAT, um, all of your practice test scores. And obviously most MCAT prep companies have great tracking. What we offer that's different is you can track all of your practice tests from multiple test sources. So instead of having to log into Blueprint to look at your Blueprint results and AMC to look at your AMC results, you have one place where you can look at all the numbers. So that's kind of it at its basic. There's also a pro level, and this is super exciting <clears throat> because the pro level keeps getting better. So every pre-med can have MAP for free, or if you do the annual plan for $7.50 a month, you get unlimited chat advising with us, the same folks that do this weekly office hour. So Dr. Wright, Verinia, me, Courtney Lewis, and, and Ryan Gray, who aren't here this week because we rotate. So you get expert advisors who will chat with you. And as of yesterday, we launched my LORs. So this is so cool because now, in addition to all the stuff that you're already getting in mapped, now you have a place to securely request and store and transmit your letters of recommendation. So this is an alternative to some of the other letter of rec portfolios that are out there, like for example, Interfolio. Um, and you know, $750 a month, so what's that? times 12, what's that? Yeah, it's 80, 90 a year. So for 90 a year, I mean, you get unlimited messaging with us and uh, and a letter of rec portfolio. So this is a really robust tool. I think every single pre-med should be using this for free. And I suspect mm -hmm. that many of you are gonna end up using the pro level just because the value is so great. So I hope that helps clarify what mapped is. Mm -hmm. Love it. Love it, love it. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, I've, I've met this person. I know how to say her name. I'm thinking, Ogenie. Um, Ogenie says, I've had one interview this cycle, and I believe it went well, but I'm not sure it went well enough. Well, first of all, congratulations. Mm -hmm. uh, besides Medical School HQ resources, how do I know what I need to change on my application to be successful next cycle? You wonderful pre-meds are teeing up all the things <laughs> I wanted to remind you about today. We have a free reapplication workshop happening tomorrow. Mm -hmm. uh, do we have a banner for that? Premedworkshop.com. So Eugenie and everybody else, and honestly, it's meant as post-application review, but it's a great tool for anyone who's applying the first time. Um, we're, we have a free session tomorrow. Um, it's going to be interactive. You can even submit your prior applications. We'll redact parts of them and review them publicly. It's going to be like an interactive application renovation. So we will go through each of the quantifiable things that you can look at and reflect on in your application. And then we're going to get to even the trickier part, which is the qualitative stuff that you need to review. Um, so, you know, it's 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 hard to get into all of it now because I could literally spend an hour and a half on it like I'm going to tomorrow. Um, but, yeah, you're looking at things like obviously GPA and MCAT and the timing of your application and the timing of the completion of your application. Um, but in your case, because you got at least one interview, it might be that it was something more with your essays, right? Because you had good enough stats and quantifiable things. And that gets a lot trickier to talk about how to reflect on essays. But again, sign up at premedworkshop.com and we're gonna do some review tomorrow. And if you can't make it live, you can still sign up and just get the recording. There you go. All right, Megan Elizabeth. If 
a school doesn't do retroactive withdrawal, but they will remove it from your GPA, it will be on the transcript, but it will say that it shouldn't be included. Will med schools count it in your GPA? I'm going to kick this one to our former executive director of an application service. What do you think, Dr. Wright? Short answer is yes. Yeah. Um, if, it, if you took the class and you got a grade, doesn't matter if you retook it or not or whatever, uh, that grade is going to be calculated. There so. is no grade. There is no grade forgiveness. Sorry. Yeah. 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 yeah and it, it's no a tricky thing. This is exactly, and I appreciate you asking, Megan, right? Mm -hmm. Because this is exactly why we say med school GPA, med school application mm -hmm. GPA may not be the same as undergrad. Um, some undergrad mm -hmm. schools give you A pluses of 4.3s. None of the application services do that. Uh, the right. highest you can get is a 4.0 in an application. Mm -hmm. um, so, and there's lots of other little details like that. Um, so, so yeah, sorry, yep. but it's still going to be on your record. The flip mm -hmm. side of yep. that is one, one grade, not going to make or break. One withdrawal, right. not going to make or break your experience. <clears throat> Take yep. right. All right. Christina says, if you have an experience started in eighth grade and you did through college, is it all right to put it as a meaningful experience? The bulk of my time was spent pre-college, but I spent time in college. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Sure. And and exactly because of what you said, because it went it went mm -hmm. on. Activities yeah. are typically mm -hmm. only fair game if they happen post high school graduation, but something that started before then and continued through still okay. Mm -hmm. Yep, agreed, completely agreed. Cool. Good job, Christina. Way to do your research, Monica B. Do all med schools accept my LORs for recommendations? If I decide to apply in 2024, do your recommendations have to resend? Yeah, I love this question. Yeah, we are creating this system to work with all three application services. Um, so you will be able to use my LORs for, um, for AMCAS, ACOMAS, and T TMD SAS. Um, so uh, you say all med schools, I'm just clarifying, like, we're focused on the USA right now. Maybe that was implied. Um, and yeah, that's the whole joy of a letter portfolio. If you decide to apply next year, not this year, you still have your letters securely stored. Um, whereas if you have a professor or another letter of rec writer submit directly to AMCAS and then you have to apply again next year, that letter's gone. Um, so um there, there is some nuance around here that we think it's better if a letter is dated the current year. So sometimes even if you still have that letter securely stored, there might be cases where you want to go back and ask the letter, the letter writer to refresh. But with, with my LORs, you'll have the choice. Those letters are going to be stored confidentially so you can you know, do what you're supposed to do, which is in 99% of cases, med schools want to know that you did not see the letter, that you waived your right to see it but it's been securely stored so that you can send it and resend it as many times um, as you need to as many places as you need. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Brobro Dio. <laughs> Brobro Dio asked a question last week yeah. too. I, I love this username. I love this username. <laughs> this is a very good question. Brobro Dio wants to know what constitutes a strong letter of recommendation? rather than a generic letter. Also, can average letters make or break an applicant? Dr. Scott Wright, you ran the application service for a long time. You were directors of admissions. Chime in on this one, please. Yeah, so I, I think, let me, let me start with the, the second 
um, question, and then I'll go back to the first question. Can average letters, and, and the key here is the word average, can average letters, which means basically, you know, it's all right letter, it's, you know, not special either way, make or break an applicant. No, not really. Um, I think letters are really difficult for uh, admissions committees to deal with because the lion's share of app of letters, in other words, most of the letters that you see are what I would term average. Um, they are good, you know, they, they clearly say good things about the applicant, but um, they're not like effusive, but they're also not like negative. So I would say that an average average letters will not necessarily make or break an applicant. Now let's shift to the first part of that. What constitutes a strong letter of recommendation? I think what constitutes that is that clearly the letter writer knows you well and has experienced you in such a way that they can say things that are meaningful about not only you as a student and a person, but in this journey that you're going through to get to medical school. So I, I think that that's what constitutes a really strong letter of recommendation is, is a letter that, that clearly understands what the, what the med schools want to know ab about you as an applicant. So, and that's why we stress getting to know your faculty and, and, and the people that you're getting letters from. We want, we want you to know them so that they know you and can say things about you that are, that are deep and meaningful. And, uh, and, and that's what you need to um, really talk to your letter writer about, you know, what, what might be in their letter, what, what might they want to stress. Um, the AAMC has a pretty good document about uh, guidelines for letter writers that I think you should always include uh, in, in submitting to your letter writers about um, because it guides them in terms of what what should they be including in their letter. It's it's almost it's just a short two page PDF, but it's really packed with a lot of information and it does really stress some things that are important and uh, and so I think that's always advisable to give that to your letter writer and so that they know kind of what the med schools are are looking for. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, completely agree. Yeah, and I um, we did post that in the chat for anyone who's watching live. Mm -hmm. But also, if you just Google AAMC letter of recommendation mm -hmm. guidelines, mm -hmm. that PDF is easy to find, and it's yep. it's really useful even mm -hmm. if you're using a letter for um, one of the other app services mm -hmm. because the stuff it's talking about is yeah, is absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It's very detailed. Yep. Larissa. Gamer Block. I got my associate's degree in 2016, received an F, and working on bachelor's now. What department at my community college should I reach out to in order to see if I can switch to a retroactive withdrawal if they offer it? Uh, I'm going to punt this to you, Verenia, because you've got, I think, the most recent and most in-depth mm -hmm. undergraduate education experience. My gut here is retroactive withdrawals, they've come up a couple times in the last few pre-med office hours. They're incredibly rare. 
Yes. Right. So Very. maybe starting to be out in the ether, but that doesn't mean they happen a lot. Mm -hmm. Yes. So talk more, please. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so it's not something that they just freely give out. Um, there have to be sort of extenuating circumstances around it that varies. Uh, what the procedure is to to kind of show documentation of that varies by school. So you have to talk to the school. But my concern is this idea that I have to go back and now get this grade changed because it's going to affect my application in some way. We don't know what the situation was surrounding that F, Larissa, but if it's the only F you've gotten, even if, even if it isn't, even if you've gotten a few more since, that by itself is not going to exclude you from medical school. So I would caution you to first think about what that situation was. Why are you asking for a withdrawal? If, you, if it's because you think that's what's going to impact your ability to get into medical school, I can assure you that there are ways to deal with that without having to go back and ask for a withdrawal. Mm -hmm. um, but they are very, very rare. Um, mm -hmm. If it's something that you've been advised to pursue, then, you know, good luck. Um, but I just want to reassure you that if that if the fear is, oh, I'm not going to get into medical school because of this, that that may not be uh, a reason to be worried about it. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's it's so much of why we talk about GPA trends. Yes. Time and continued improvement will show that you are a different yeah. student today than you were mm -hmm. then. Yep. And in terms of what department, um, if you are going to pursue this, I just noticed that part of the question too. Uh, reach out first to the registrar's office and they can guide you from there. Yep. Joshua Brand, if you take both Preview and Casper and a school accepts both, can you pick which one you score better on? Oh, that's an interesting question. Kind of, I, I feel like you're maybe drawing some of this from like the whole SAT, ACT game. Um, keeping in mind that the Preview is pretty new, right? There was the Vita before it, but the, this is only the Preview second year being like used widely. Um, I have not yet heard of a school that accepts both. Mm -hmm. um, and again, you know, I, I'm not, <clears throat> part of being an expert is things change year to year and you have to stay current. So maybe there's been some announcements from schools that take both, or maybe it even happened last year and I missed it. You know, I don't have all 200 schools admissions requirements memorized. I'm not embarrassed about that. I have Google just like you, <laughs> uh, but but yeah, I've, I've never heard of a case where they do accept both. So I don't know if this is a relevant question. Um, I will defer to my colleagues to see if they've got insight I don't. I, I don't have, know. Yeah, I have not heard of schools taking both. It's mm -hmm. usually one or the other. So yeah, I guess Joshua, but, we think it's NA unless you can come back to us with, a, well, even, you know what? Okay, but, you have an example. He says one, but then, okay, so ask them. Yeah. Right, <laughs> um, right. we don't know how they're going. And, and ask them before you apply, because once you apply, asking questions gets trickier. Right. They yeah. have to be very careful what they yeah. say to you so that they're not perceiving, they're not breaching any of their own kind of ethics principles and policies. But between now and the start of May, when when applications open, it's fair game. Mm -hmm. um, anytime you're reaching out to a med school to ask a question, uh, use your critical reading and Googling skills. Make sure it's not already on the web somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, but if it's not on the web, then it's fine to email or call and ask. But you just yeah. never want to call and ask something that you could have Googled. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah, thanks for the heads up. I hadn't thought about that possibility yet. Jonathan, I took all of my science prereqs outside the science department. Will I need to contest the AAMC if they don't count them as science credits? Oh, 
Jonathan, your word choice makes me nervous. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, these comments are short. People type them quickly. I'm not trying to like the idea of contesting the AAMC, like that way lies madness, right? Mm -hmm. Like they're in charge, dude. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Here's what I'm wondering is I'm not sure why you think, I don't know what you mean by outside the science department. If you mean I was a nursing major and I've heard that a lot of the nursing sciences classes don't count as science prereqs, you're right. That's Dead end there. They're not going to count them. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, I guess e- either maybe think a little bit more about your question and come back with some more specific details. I know it can be hard to cram it all into one comment. Um, or just accept that what you need to do right now before you apply is go to the AMC website. There's a place where they list how science courses get classified and do some reading about that and find out if you've actually fulfilled your science prereqs or not. Mm-hmm. Now, I will say that there is a process for individual courses. If you, if you had an individual course that you thought should count as biology and, and AMC counted it as something else, there's a process for you to, you know, ask the AAMC to reconsider that based on some documentation that you have to indicate otherwise. You can't expect to do that wholesale for a bunch of mm-hmm. whole, a bunch of classes. <clears throat> and, and so, you know, I, I think it does sound to me like, and, and Jonathan, this may be, inaccurate but it sounds to me like exactly what rachel just said that that maybe you took courses in nursing or in uh, some allied health field and you're wanting those courses to count toward the the prerequisites and if that's the case that as i said that's that's a dead end uh you're you're never gonna that's never gonna fly Yeah, so we do have some follow-up. Jonathan says he was a nutrition major at a Canadian school, and for example, a course code would start with N-U-T-R, but the class name would be cell biology. That's not going to be counted as cell biology. That's not. Now, it, 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 yeah, I think that if, if it's, you know, it, and it's a little bit different because it's a Canadian school, and the Canadian schools uh, sometimes do things a little bit differently. Uh, but what I would say is, um, the the onus the onus is going to be on you to to provide documentation to the AMC or to whatever application service to to give them a that they need to have that they're going to have to uh, have some kind of structure to stand on to be able to say okay we're going to say cell biology taken in a nutrition department is the same as cell biology taken in the biology department. And the, the, the starting point most of the time for the AMC or other application services is going to be no, that that's not the same. Uh, so, you know, the onus is going to be on you to, to, uh, to, to provide enough documentation for them to say, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll say that this cell biology taken in nutrition was the same as cell biology taken in the biology department, but I, my gut reaction is that that I, I'm not sure that that's really gonna gonna mm-hmm. happen. Yep. 
Sorry, dude, but better to find out yeah, now than yeah. when you've spent thousands of dollars applying. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. American med schools will take your primary fee, um, will not screen your application, will send you a secondary and take those fees, mm-hmm. and then reject you if you fail to meet prereqs. Mm-hmm. So it's very important to make sure your prereqs are all lined up before you spend that time and money. Correct. So sorry, but good luck. Yeah. yeah. Okay. David. David says... Cumulative GPA 3.8, science GPA 3.7, science credits around 130. Should I explain one semester in fall of senior year at a 3.46? Uh, no. 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 No, no, David. no, no, no. Stop. I mean, we'll stop. <laughs> but there are people in the audience right now going at you, so I, I feel obligated to pass some of that on. Your grades are great. And when we talk about dips or upward trends, we're talking about people who have really low cumulative GPAs who are trying to show that their recent work is better than their old work. When your work overall is amazing, which a 3.8 is, you don't need to worry about one semester where it wasn't even really bad work. It was a 3.46. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so sorry to be harsh on you, but good news. You don't need to worry at all. Don't waste mm-hmm. any space talking about your grades. You got more mm-hmm. important things to say in the application. Absolutely. And c- congrats on being such a good yeah. student. Yeah. yeah. That's a much nicer way to say mm-hmm. it. Congratulations mm-hmm. on being such an amazing student. I'm sorry, David. I should have opened with that. Thank you, Scott. <laughs> 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 all right. Here's another happy Raphael. Hey, y'all, I just wanted to say thank you for all you do. God accepted to med school this Woo-hoo! cycle. Nice. Yay. Yay, Raphael. That's awesomeness. Awesomeness. Yeah. So now you need to, you know, it won't be long and you'll be able to put Dr. Raphael. I know. That's exciting. Right? Doctor. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, get a lot of sleep. You're going to be busy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Christina says, is it acceptable to have your non-science letter writer be either a professor you took a pre-med seminar with or your research PI for a psych lab who you also took a psych summer class with? Uh, Scott, you're probably the one to arbitrate this. What do you think? Sure. Yeah. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, I think, you know, uh, most of the time I think that, you know, you just need to think of it as straightforward as possible. Science professor letters come from science professors such as biology, chemistry, physics, mm-hmm. whatever. Non-science letters come from non-science professors. And that could be math, that could be, you know, art, or it could be history, or it could be psych, or whatever. Um, so you took a pre-med seminar with, sounds good. Take a psych class with in the summer. Sounds good. So as long as they know you and, and can write a, write a, a letter that really is meaningful, yep. mm-hmm. then that's the key. That's the most important part, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Um, it's a little bit of a quieter day. Um, we typically try not to ask answer questions from the same person twice. I know we've done that once or twice, but it's okay if we need to today to to cover the questions that are coming in. Um, Okay, so another from Jean St. Pierre. I'm a business major and a minor in bio doing a pre-med track. I'm a non-trad vet and have been to three universities in the past. Uh, Do I need to input all the classes? Yes. Mm -hmm. Do I need to input all the classes I've taken to MAP to determine my GPA training? Yes, excellent question. American med schools want to see every course you've attempted in college, community college, or university, 
um, at least anywhere in North America. It gets a little funkier if there's any international coursework. Um, and my short answer there is just go read the handbook. Um, but uh, they don't want to see the stuff that's transferred to your most recent course. So it, as many schools as you've attended, you're gonna need transcripts from each of them. And you list the courses as they're listed on the original transcript for each school. Good question. Fringe syringe. Is this fringe like I'm on the edge of things or fringe like British for bangs? Wait, this is the same question. Oh, yeah. Um, I forget his name or her yeah. name earlier. Oh, poor David, who I was meeting to. Yeah. yeah, we already answered this one. Yeah. Same stats. Okay. Uh, this is an example of a comment. <laughs> <laughs> this is what we need. All right. Sometimes tech stuff gets weird. We'll just, you know, let's give a sec. Bernie will find a comment. Uh, Maybe there aren't any because we can vamp. Let's talk a little I bit about it. it's January. Um, I mentioned already that a lot of you right now are thinking about if I'm in the current cycle, if I didn't get any interviews yet, or if I got interviews but I didn't hear back, what should I do? We are having a free reapplication workshop. Um, uh, tomorrow. Um, so uh, definitely sign up for that if you're interested. If you go to premedworkshop.com, you'll see all of the upcoming workshops we have. We're trying to do about two a month this year, but the um, there's one tomorrow, Thursday the 26th, about reapplying. There's also one Thursday, February 2nd, about um, getting your personal statement started. Um, so lots of cool free stuff to sign up for there. Um, and then also we mentioned earlier, my LORs, now if you sign up for Mapped Pro, you are able to get um, not just all the cool stuff that's included in Mapped and also chatting with us. We typically message you back within about a day. Um, and it's not, you know, we can't do essay review or interview prep over the chat, but we can do the kind of questions we do here in live pre-med office hours. So, and we also can look at your mapped profile. So a lot of students and Vernie, I know you, you often take point on chat. Mm -hmm. Um, one of the most common questions is, can you look at my GPA and activities and give me feedback? Yeah. Um, but in addition to having that year round, now you also have a secure place to store your letters. It's cool yes, stuff. That is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. Okay, new question. Sticksun98, waiting for an MCAT score to come back in February. How would you recommend determining what score warrants a retake? Do you think 510 plus is appropriate? I'm going to apply Texas. Yeah, I love this question, Sticks. So first of all, congratulations on getting the MCAT done in January of your application mm -hmm. year. It's no small feat. Mm -hmm. Every year I try to warn people who are have MCAT a year or two out, hey, if you can swing it, the smartest way to take the MCAT is January or March of application year. Sometimes people, if they need to do summer prep, even do it the summer before junior year or the summer before their application year. Um, it's real tempting to prep for January and push back to spring. And I'm sure there are people watching who have done that and you're not in trouble, but just what an enormous peace of mind, right? You're gonna have to wait another four weeks and then you're gonna know how you did. So that's mm -hmm. great. Um, mm -hmm. I definitely think 510 plus is appropriate full stop, right? That's not the kind of score that would ever stop me. Mm -hmm. um, with MCAT and also with GPA, I don't believe that stats get you in. I believe stats can keep you out. 
Um, if you've ever watched any of our application renovations, you will have seen we have tons of cases of people with phenomenal stats who didn't get in because they didn't have clinical or couldn't articulate why they wanted to be physicians. Um, so, so the stats alone aren't going to make or break your experience. But I want to set aside this 510 plus example because not everyone is going to feel like I might have gotten that. How do I recommend what score determines a retake? If you took many practice tests under timed testing conditions, right? Like not at home in your PJs, <laughs> you know, but like, well, maybe in your PJs, but like sitting upright, doing it the right time of day, not allowing yourself extra time, not allowing breaks, not doing a section today and then a section later after work. Um, if you really did it just like the real test and you consistently do better on your practice tests than you do on your official, then that's a sign that something went wrong on your official. And it can be hard to tell when you leave the test because most of us feel like crap when we leave the MCAT. So I don't do the like, do you feel bad when you leave thing? Cause mm -hmm. you probably did, even if mm -hmm. you killed it, <laughs> right? But that's the real thing. And then the only other way I would say outside of practice tests is if you're going, oh my God, I didn't, I didn't take a bunch of practice tests under time conditions. You probably didn't do the studying as well as you should have, and you could do better. Uh, now that said, if you get a 515 and think, you know what, I have a 525 in me, I don't know that you need to retake anyway. Like a lot of times people with higher scores feel the need, oh, I only have 94th percentile, I need a 99th. Like, I think that's baloney. Like mm -hmm. spend your time on better mm -hmm. things. Spend the time getting clinical or shadowing. Yeah. But yeah, the rough rules of thumb are, does your real test match your practice test? And do you know you put good faith effort into studying? Those are the two main reasons to do a retake. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Joshua says, any resources or advice in forming my out-of-state school list? I know all my in-state schools I want to apply for, but I'm struggling with where to start for out-of-state. Scott, you want to take this one? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, I think that... Um, you know, there's several different ways to kind of approach how you want to um, look at out-of-state schools. And I think one of them is um, thinking about geography, you know, you know, ba basic sort of um, stuff in terms of, you know, if you, if you don't like cold environments, then you kind of need to cut off a geographic area of the country uh, if you, you know, so some of it's basic stuff. Um, th there's other things like if you're, and, and, and I don't want to overemphasize this, but <clears throat> I, I want to say that if you're, if your MCAT score is a 503 or a 505 or your, your, your GPA is, is kind of, you know, good, but not great. Um, you know, applying to Ivy League schools may not be the, you know, I mean, you can do it. I mean, I, I'm not saying don't do it, and I'm not saying it's all based on numbers, but I'm saying it's expensive to apply to medical schools, and you got to think about these things in terms of realistically where, you know, what's going on here, what do I want to do? I had a student the other day who had kind of middle-range numbers and stuff, and all the out-of-state schools they applied to were these, like, the top of the, you know, everything. And I'm like, well, okay, let's think about this for a second. You know, I, I understand sort of aspirationally, it'd be great to go to Johns Hopkins or it'd be really nice to go to Yale, but is that is that really where you want to put that money? 
you know, if your if your numbers are not, you know, sort of in the mix there. So again, I'm not trying to overemphasize numbers. So how do you then look at out-of-state schools? I think you want to look at private versus public. Um, you know that that public schools often have um, cutoffs for how many out-of-state students they can take. You want to look at out-of-state student-friendly schools, uh, and you can get that information from uh, from the MSAR or the equivalent uh, uh, of the uh, MSAR for the osteopathic schools. Yeah, uh, so you want to look at public. Yeah, choose DIA, right? Uh, you want to look at public versus private. You want to look at areas of the country that you're interested in. Uh, and, uh, you know, you want to look at are there other things about medical schools that you're really interested in, that you're really looking for? Uh, you know, are they, if you're really interested in research, you know, think about what schools are doing the kind of research that you're really interested in. If you're really interested in global medicine, uh, then there are schools that really emphasize global medicine. Uh, if you're really, in, you know, base it on your interests uh, at some level or another and think about, you know, kind of what what the schools are that uh, that really there's no um, there's no way to do it. That's like the, you know, ding, 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 ding. Here's the bell. And OK, you got it right or whatever. What, what we have to do is spend time looking at every medical school and seeing what connects with you and uh, and then you move forward. Yep. Well said. I agree. Great advice. Yeah. <laughs> and I did put at the banner the um, premedyears.com 437. Mm -hmm. That's a podcast that Ryan did about a year ago with our friend Joanne Snap okay. with just more details. All right. So this is our last one from our friend Allie. Allie says... How much of a red flag is it if I only have virtual shadowing and I'm planning to apply in the 2024 cycle? I don't have a car, so it's been mm -hmm. difficult to get in-person experience. Man, I really feel this. I feel like mm -hmm. so much of the pre-med process assumes mm -hmm. wealth and resources, yeah. and time and money, and mm -hmm. it's it's so unjust. Uh, Virginia, do you want to tackle this? Yeah, I, I wouldn't consider it a, a red flag necessarily as long as there are other components to your application that show that you're involved with patients and getting patient care experience. Um, you're applying in the 2024 cycle. Um, so I don't know if you mean applying this cycle to start in 2024 or applying in 2024. I, I think she means 2024 entry year because officially yeah, that's officially, the way. Yeah. Officially cycles named by the year you enter okay. med school. So, so many people get it wrong. Yeah. Sometimes when they get it right, we're like, we'll wait. <laughs> Just wanted to clarify that. Yeah. So, I mean, I think um, you do what you can. Um, again, it depends on how much other kind of patient care or clinical experience you have as well. Yeah. Um, is it a red flag? It's hard to say. It really all depends on, like I said, your other experiences. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I would add something to that. And, mm -hmm. and I'm not saying this is the case, Allie. Don't hear that. But what, what I'm saying is that the med schools are going to look at your application. You know, and they're going to look at the entire thing. And if they see that you're saying on one side, I have limited shadowing because I have don't have a car or whatever, 
But then on the other side, they see you're doing all these other activities that seem to be in mm -hmm. places other than they're going to be, well, what, well, hold on a second. You know, you, you, you can get the band practice, you know, the, for the, for the, you know, uh, alternative band that you're in, but you can't get to a shadowing experience. And I see this a lot when, when we, when we say, well, when students say, well, I didn't have a whole lot of time for extracurriculars Mm -hmm. uh, because I was so busy with class or whatever, but then they look in your application and see that you have, you know, 15 hours a week to work out in the gym. So, okay, which is it? You have not have time or you have time. So, you know, I'm just saying, look at it holistically, look at the whole picture and objectively analyze how is a medical school looking at all of these data points going to mm -hmm. evaluate what you've done and what you haven't done. And mm -hmm. so think about that in addition to everything else. I'm not minimizing the the, the difficulty mm -hmm. that, that you're experiencing because you don't have transportation, but I'm going to say that you know you have to also look at other things in your application, how that might affect the contention that you're making about what you're doing or not doing. Yeah, completely agree. And Allie, we're not piling on. It's just such a good, rich question. Mm -hmm. My thought is, okay, it's been difficult to get in-person experience. So what about your in-person clinical, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm just, I'm, I'm a little bit worried that you're talking about virtual shadowing, but you didn't mention clinical at all. And it's also hard to get to clinical. So mm -hmm. when, when Scott says holistic review, I mean, he does literally mean everything. But the big thing I'm thinking is, I'm going to care a lot less about shadowing generally if you have plenty of clinical. I do shadowing mm -hmm. is different. It serves a different purpose, but lots and lots of clinical is probably the most important activity. Mm -hmm. And you don't mention that. So yeah. I just I hope that you're really considering all these factors. And um, I'll do one last plug for that pre-med workshop. Even though it's mostly pointed at reapplication, it's going to be useful for first-time applicants too to reflect and consider. Um, their application, you may want to sign up for that and just sort of go through this checklist of quantifiable and qualitative things to make sure you're ready to apply this year. Mm -hmm. um, but thank mm -hmm. you. That was such a great question mm -hmm. and a Absolutely. common issue. Yep. Um, well, we are committed to ending on time today because we all yeah. have places to be in four minutes. Um, <laughs> but I'm so glad that everybody came out. Um, I appreciate these thoughtful questions. We love helping pre-meds. And if you don't know, we do this every week. So pretty much every Wednesday, except sometimes at the end of the year, um, is pre-med office hours. Most Fridays is also a live Instagram with Dr. Gray. I think this Friday he'll be on the road, um, but always here on YouTube and then most Fridays um, on Instagram. So come hang out with us, ask questions, go check out the free mapped account. Go check out my LORs. There's a free trial, so you can you know enjoy it for a while before you uh, before you commit to it. And uh, we'll see you real soon. Bye. This is Dr. Gray again, closing out. I hope you learned something from our session today. If you haven't yet checked out Mapped, I invite you to try it for free for two weeks by going to mapped.com/podcast. Track and navigate your journey to medical school using the only tool like it for pre-meds. We'll see you next week here on Ask the Dean.